Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mr. Ben is directly across from me. Fine local business person is an individual who's a co-owner of a company along with a couple of hundred, two hundred of his uh, closest (laughs) friends. Uh, Republican, conservative, uh, let's see, Republican committee person, but uh, comes to this show, what, just as an American. As an American, as a, uh, uh, and a moderate Republican. A moderate Republican. Well, yeah, maybe. I worked for George McGovern in 1972. You're right, and then you saw the light, and it's been downhill ever since. All right. Uh, so that is Ben Reichley, our good co-host. I'm Mark Lawrence. I just play a bad liberal on the radio. Uh, uh, <laughs> Subpar, though. Well, that's true. If you got to play, you I'd might as well. I'd love to have you as a partner during golf. Might as well get a two on a three-par. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have with us uh, the cast of Financial Friday is back. Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley. Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for checking in. Good morning, Mark, and it's good to be back. What? Are you here in person? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> wow. That's me. That's the real deal. What do you think? Well, I'm excited. I think I saw you at the end of February one time in that chair, and you kept your distance on the other side of Joe's tent and wouldn't get near anybody, <laughs> and you're wearing a mask, and you were checking your vaccination card. Well, and I think you were calling it the cone of silence or something. <laughs> yes, I, exactly. I, it was. Uh, it was uh, I felt like the boy in the bubble, uh, Ben. <laughs> yes, that's how. right. That's right. Right. Now but, you know how Joe felt that whole time. And uh, Art Thomas with us, chairman of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, president of MechTech and Diversified Construction. And uh, good morning, Art. He's been coming in in person for months, mm-hmm. so he's brave enough. Good morning, sir. Uh, good morning, and it's all about celebrating Sunbury and Northumberland these days. I know, of course, our viewing area is a little larger than that, but hey, I grew up in Norrie and graduated from Sunbury, Shikolimi, and we got a, it was 250 is a big thing to talk about. Yeah, we got that. Uh, and uh, Mech Tech and Diversified, uh, a big sponsor of Sunbury's semi-quincentennial. Uh, so thanks for doing that, n- making sure. Pine Otter Days going on right now. Yeah, also. Pine Otter Days the, last night, night I went. Okay. Day before, I saw Mark over at the celebration. Well, that was heart and heritage. You, you yeah. saw cars older than you are. Oh, my goodness, yes. The antique cars were out, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. Army Jeeps from the 40s. Mm. Jeff Pontius had his Army vehicles out. All right. So, men, it's Financial Friday, so let's focus on this. we got the jobless numbers out. Uh, in terms of joblessness, we're really bouncing along the bottom there, too. 372,000 jobs created. Uh, 3.6 still our jobless rate. Start with Bob just to review what, what's what's happening nationally and locally. Well, the key thing here is that the, uh, the number of jobs created is actually significantly higher than mm. where the economy economists uh, thought it was going to be. I think most economists think that uh, the, the cool-off was going to be starting uh, in June. It looks like it hasn't yet. 372,000 jobs. Yes, the uh, the commentator did point out that that's a little bit less than May, but not much less. 18,000 less. So 372,000 is actually about 100,000 uh, more than what most economists. And this month, unlike last month, uh, 
the economists were all in agreement. Uh, so they and they were all wrong. Uh, so that would put them in the same category as weathermen or something mm-hmm. like that, maybe. But no, just I'm t- uh, picking on weathermen here. Uh, but uh, it was accurate to say that's robust. That's uh, that is uh, that that's very good uh, c- continued economic growth. Uh, I, I think we've we've been scratching our heads now for two years. Uh, whatever used to be normal or predictable is is uh, being reinvented month by month <laughs> by month. Um, as far as the unemployment rate goes, Mark, uh, 3.6%, that's probably, there's probably a theoretical number you really can't get much less than, because uh, there's always going to be some churn in the labor market. Of course, this would be the numbers out of June, so we'd be seeing the new graduates are hitting uh, the market, etc. Uh, so uh, 3.6% is highly respectable uh, when it comes to an unemployment rate. Uh, locally, uh, we actually have three counties uh, locally that are below that national average. Uh, they are um, Montour County, Union, and Snyder. Uh, and uh, uh, so locally, we're doing well as well. Um, Northumberland County is um, is always a little bit of a laggard. It's our largest population county, always a slightly a little bit more of a laggard. There's actually a couple of zip codes in Northumberland County where there's a, a labor surplus. Uh, so uh, we work in those areas to try to make sure that everybody knows we've got lots of great jobs right here in the greater Susquehanna Valley. So joblessness is low around here, and there's a lot of jobs that are going wanting, but we have such high inf- inflation and gasoline prices is you know, anything that good is happening in the economy, is that really being way offset by the inflation and the gas prices? Uh, yeah, well, the, the, of course. Uh, yeah, you, you set me up for that one, and I'm, I'll, I'll take the bait this time. Uh, it is really painful to go to the pump. Uh, it really uh, it really sets you back, uh, and there's a lot of other things. And as, as we know, energy prices affect everything else, everything from, uh, from food to leisure to... Uh, to how long of a vacation you take, uh, to long-term expenditures like big-ticket items like housing, et cetera. We'll be talking about that in a few moments with a with a, a truly a subject matter expert. Uh, but the inflation, uh, what we see are the Feds are trying to tamp it down by uh, tweaking the interest rates. How much higher are they going to have to go, or, or will they go so high that they're going to force us uh, into recession? Uh, you can uh, you can see it coming. Uh, but we'll see. For now, uh, the job uh, growth in June was robust. Ben? Uh, I, I would agree with Bob on most of that part. Of the uh, part about energy, though, if you think gas prices are high, those who have PPL electric, look at your electric bill that just happened, where they raised the rates almost by 30%. So um, it's not just in the energy sector of when you're talking about driving your car, driving your trucks, it's in running your business, too. Uh, natural or gas heating your home or electrifying exactly. your home. Or air conditioning as, as we are now. I, I think the numbers are positive. I, however, the, the factors, uh, what's the Michigan Consumer Index number, J- just the wet blanket syndrome, I refer to it as, seems to be just holding back uh, this uh, this economy. Uh, this administration is, is anti 
fossil fuels, so they show that. Okay, that's your policy. But usually, if you're going to be anti-something, you want to be pro-something else. But pro-something else that isn't in the back room being developed. So to make, you look at the economies that are moving, and we got people who say, well, President Biden is not the president of Italy or whatever. Well, if you look at inflation in other countries, it varies. We're, we're at one of the higher levels. There's There's positives here. But, boy, I don't hear positives out on the street (laughs) from people. So then it's hard to say, okay, so now these numbers, are these lagging indicators? (laughs) And the people out on the street are saying, hey, I, you know, $90 to fill my gas tank that used to be $52? Art, let's look at a real quick glance at these numbers, then we'll get to our guests. Sure. Uh, we got to admit that these numbers are great. And they continue to be great and have been all spring. Uh, 372,000, whether it's 275 or 250, a great job creation. Unemployment four months in a row. Um, so we got to talk about inflation if we're going to complain about something. Uh, I will say that everyone I speak to that will call them right of center is just talking about recession. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, they feel like they've seen all kinds of signs, and it's just a matter of when. It's going to be this fall. It's going to be this winter, but it's a coming. Um, maybe it is, and hopefully it won't be, uh, and hopefully they won't be right, but uh, the numbers are good, and as far as unemployment, I go back to participation. I talk about it just about every month. One percent of participation is, I think, a million and a half or so jobs. And if we could just get that participation rate up, that'd be great. Um, I but don't also know, the numbers to our, the, to be good. the sectors, though, where the numbers are coming from, are positive. To see a rebuild in the hospitality, the service industries; those numbers are, are coming back because they were decimated in the past couple of years. All right. Well, we're lucky enough in this particular uh, program today not only to, to comment on the jobless numbers that came out uh, in the past. We've also talked about economic trends around here and impediments to uh, keeping the trends in the green zone, the green light around here. So we're glad to say that. That at the suggestion of uh, Art, we contacted uh, John Kirshner. He's the vice president of Fine Line Homes. He's based out of Harrisburg. We know Fine Line, of course, a big presence around here mm-hmm. in several of the developments in Sealands Grove and Lewisburg and Williamsport, and uh, just a real big factor in the home building industry in our area today. John, thank you so much for checking in on our show. Very much appreciated. Well, gentlemen, it's uh, nice to be here when Art uh, reached out to me. Uh, the other day and asked if I'd uh, consider the opportunity. It uh, allows me an opportunity to spread in on area I haven't been uh, participating in the radio forum. So I'm happy to be here and uh, hope it goes well. Well, I'm going to ask you to do a real quick <laughs> uh, 30 seconds uh, elevator speech on Fine Line Homes itself. I, I do definitely think everybody's familiar with it around here because we know that you're a big factor locally, but they may not necessarily realize the scope of Fine Line Homes. So tell us what the uh, uh, define the company for us and then we'll talk about the state of development today. Sure. Well, Mark, uh, the uh, Fine Line Homes is actually celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. We were formed in 1972. It's a family-owned business. Uh, we do have uh, six locations in Harrisburg, of course, in the, the Sealands Grove area, State College, Hazleton, Athens, and we also have an office in North Carolina. 
and uh, we, uh, we take a, a simple approach to home building. Uh, we try to be flexible with our customers, provide them the home that they need, and provide quality products for a home that will last a long time. And uh, in, in the fact that we've been around for 50 years, uh, we think we're doing it good, but uh, always looking for opportunities to expand. And uh, initially, we started in uh, the scattered lot business, uh, where people bring us, uh, have their land, and they come to us for builder services, and we still do a majority of our business with that, but realized uh, a number of years ago that we had to get in the land development business as well, because not everybody's able to find land. Uh, so we do uh, community building as well. All right. Well, tell us about the state of this community building and the rest of the building. We we don't we certainly hear about the real estate market ebbing and flowing, and that's always talked about. But home building and or development less talked about. So tell us what we might miss uh, if that conversation is not happening. Sure. Well, while they're often viewed, uh, land development and home building, in the same light uh, and discussed in tandem, uh, there are different factors uh, that influence home building and development. So with your indulgence, uh, I'll offer some insight on both of them separately and start with uh, the state of, you know, current state of home building uh, in central PA. And, uh, you know, the conditions are still good for both the home builders uh, and clients looking to build a new home. Uh, for the builder, you know, there's still solid demand for home building services. Demand was pent up. Uh, during the first six months of the onset of COVID, but has remained pretty strong ever since. Uh, we're starting to see a slight slowdown, uh, which we normally see during summer months, but also feel some of the slowdown could be related a little bit to the concern of a looming recession or some of the uncertainty in the markets. Um, but some of the hurdles uh, facing home builders today, uh, not uncommon to many of the other industries, uh, supply chain issues uh, in getting the products needed to put the homes together. Of course, labor availability for both skilled and non-skilled laborers, and consistent upward price pressure for the materials that uh, we're putting into the homes. But on the flip side, you know, there's certainly opportunities out there uh, in the mix for for home builders. And uh, interest rates, while they've inched up, you know, somewhat, they're still very attractive and at the low range of a historical perspective. And we're finding that lenders are still receptive to loaning funds for new homes and uh, have some created offerings to make the construction loan process and conversion to a permanent loan, smooth and seamless. Uh, And third, uh, the used home market is still very hot. Supply in the used homes is tight. And when that happens, folks will consider building rather than having to settle for something they may not, you know, a used home that may not check all the boxes for the home that they're looking for. Uh, Now, from a land development perspective, uh, to create new residential neighborhoods, you know, it was interesting when my conversation with Art the other day, uh, that the observation that he shared with me was, you know, one doesn't see as many larger new home neighborhoods being created in the valley. And uh, there's no doubt that creating new homes, new neighborhoods anyway, um, is more challenging than it used to be. And we don't see that outlook changing in the near future. Um, one of the reasons, uh, advancement of zoning and subdivision regulations, uh, most municipalities all have ordinances in place now. And with each decade that passes, municipalities update the rules, which generally make it more difficult to develop the land. Lot sizes, density rules all play a factor, and uh, street building requirements tend to get more stringent with each update. Then you add into the mix the fact that there's a staggering 2,560 local municipalities in Pennsylvania, and since land use regulations are administered at local level, there are so many different sets of rules from one locale to the next. 
Okay, so uh, is, is it, are you being strangled? When, if you're trying to build something that might involve building a new road or might involve, you know, uh, uh, acres and acres of land that, you know, might have a, a wetland border, line, mm-hmm. border on it or something or woodlot or uh, is, are you being strangled by regulation? That's my term for it, but am I, am I on the right track? Well, I don't. Strangle might be a little severe, but what we're finding in our business is that um, we get become much more selective in the land that we want to develop, uh, and uh, because of the, the different vari- you know, regulations that we're running into, uh, they are getting more stringent, uh, and we're just getting a lot more selective, uh, and we're also seeing less players in, in the field uh, because it, it's such a capital expense-intensive uh, proposition. You know, where businesses rarely see any return on the investment until the very, very end of a project. Uh, frankly, it's, it's easier and safer to invest you know, your funds in other markets to get a better return. Uh, Fineline does it mainly because we have employees and families of our employees that we want to support, and if we don't have the land to offer to clients, then we don't get the building business to building a home. So um, it, it has been challenging. Um, you mentioned you know, some of the environmental regulations, uh, stormwater regulations uh, have really grown exponentially over the last 20 years, and they're changing at a higher frequency than they had been in the past, which makes long-term planning for larger projects very challenging, costly, and time-consuming, because sometimes you have to go back and retool the development plan if it's taking you more than five or ten years because the rules have been changed. John, Art Thomas here. Hey, uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, working with your company on the development side and also uh, the opportunity to be a municipal engineering representative that uh, reviews development plans for concurrence with ordinances. And uh, obviously Fine Line Homes has been doing it long enough and it's what you do full time. You know what to expect coming into these projects, but so often as a municipal engineer, and even when we're helping uh, private individuals that think they want to do some development that they've never done before, they get so surprised at the at the fees structure that they're going to face uh, that they had no idea walking into things. Everything from just simple plan application fees to permit application fees. And as you mentioned with the evolution of ordinances, uh, they have to bond and uh, enter into development agreements, not only with the municipality, but if public utilities are involved, they have to enter development agreements and post bond with water companies, with sewer companies, or they have to go with one-acre lots because they have septic systems and, and uh, new owners have to account for fifteen to $20,000 for a septic system on each lot. I was wondering what your thoughts were on some of these uh, fees that uh, people encounter and the fact that you guys are prepared and how you know some people aren't. Yeah, the, if the fees uh, have definitely uh, increased over time with review fees, submission fees, uh, in- inspections, um, and then, you know, we... The entitlement process is uh, a term that we call uh, from once we acquire land before we start building on the land. And the length of time it has taken to get through all the permits and the approvals uh, also adds a lot of uh, a cost factor uh, to it as well. Um, so it, it, it hurts two, two sides of the equation. It hurts the end user because the price of lots go up. But it also helps. It hurts the seller of the original land, whether it be the farmer or you know, uh, you know, an estate of a you know that's looking to sell the land, because the buyers, which would be us as developers, can't uh, can't offer 
too much more for the land over time as the costs continue to go up. So it, it has been, uh, that's a great point that you brought up, Art, about the cost of, of uh, the entitlements and the and review fees that we're seeing. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a really con- a big concern that we have in the industry is, you know, the overall affordability uh, because the, the land component, uh, which, you know, the lot cost is a direct result of the cost that we put into it, uh, combined with the fact that the house costs keep going up, we, we often scratch our heads and say, at, at what point does, uh, you know, the buying public be unable to, uh, you know, continue to support that, that industry? Um, you know, another factor that we see, which has been around for some time, um, is this a general sense that most people don't want to see changes, uh, especially in their view shed or in their backyard. So they'd rather see a cornfield than a housing development. Um, in, in the industry, we call it NIMBY, not in my backyard. And while that term has, was coined years ago, what we found is that with the onset of social media and the ease of collaboration online, NIMBYism has become more of a factor for you know, developers to confront. Uh, so it, it's uh, one, one of the items that's not often thought about, uh, but it's uh, it's really out there, and it's another thing that we look at before we get into a development. Look, before we look at buying a piece of ground, you know, what's the potential for uh, you know feedback, feedback, negative feedback uh, from the community if you're in there for approvals that uh, you know zoning changes or variances, uh, then the, you become a target. Uh, so you have to decide if that's something that's worthwhile. John, this is um, <clears throat> excuse me. This is Bob Garrett. I'm the president and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, and I noticed some initials behind your name, AICP. So I want to ask you a planner uh, question. Um, the chamber has been very active in encouraging our local municipalities to uh, update or to draft uh, comprehensive plans, those visionary documents about how do you want to see your community uh, grow in the future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that has been mostly motivated, frankly, by the Central Susquehanna Valley Thruway, uh, which we're happy to say will be uh, a big section of it will be opening uh, later today uh, for the traveling public. Um, but my question is uh, um, uh, both a planning question and a development question. As, uh, we are hearing, and we're, we're about to go out with our member survey, and I think this is going to be uh, come out loud and clear out of that survey, that the biggest issue right now that local Local employers are are dealing with is uh, workforce. Is they don't have enough people. Um, we have been working for decades to make sure that our vocational schools are aligned with the jobs that exist here. That we're creating uh, a, a ready, willing, and able uh, workforce right here. And frankly, with the low unemployment rates that we have, is we've pretty well tapped that out. At this point, we need to get into business of recruiting people, welcoming people to the Greater Susquehanna Valley. It's long-time economic development organizations have developed uh, uh, developable um, industrial commercial property. Do you think it's time for us to start to put together some coalitions to begin developing some residential property so not all of this cost has to be borne by the developer? If we truly want to have people move to this area, we may have to help out with uh, building some of the utilities, help out with some of the permits, help out with some of the roadways, uh, those kind of things. Are we up against that right now, or is that still uh, one 100% the responsibility of the developer. Yeah, as as of right now, uh, I'd say 98% of the time it's the responsibility of the the landowner and the the, future developer to get that. We've started to see some projects 
uh, like you said, the, the business parks and the industrial parks has always been a uh, you know a good good effort to to stimulate the, the, the economic growth that's desired in the in the counties. Um, one or two projects in the state I've seen has had a residential component with it, but I think uh, it's an excellent point, Bob, that uh, we'll, we'll have to see more of that in the future uh, because of the difficulty in getting residential projects uh, on, on the board anyway. Uh, plus, it, it'll enhance the uh, potential for those uh, business centers and industrial centers to grow if there's a residential component with it because you can then provide some workforce housing, uh, which typically is a, a more affordable product. Uh, and is geared more towards uh, you know entry level uh, employees um, and, and provide and then the other factor is that type of housing is a little bit closer to the point of work uh, so you don't have the transportation costs associated with it. Uh, John and, Ben uh, Reichley here. A brief question: uh, Doing work out in California, isn't this the California model? Uh, what we saw in California where the environmental groups just sort of hamstrung the uh, development and affordable housing now is unaffordable in large portions. I mean, the, the fees you talked about, but the federal government now in zoning issues trying to zone uh, not single-family housing, but multifamily housing. So it, we saw this happen in California. So is there a concern that uh, this is coming faster than you thought into Pennsylvania? Yeah, it's, it's it's slowly making its way over, uh, and it, the pendulum swings slowly, but it goes uh, it it does go pretty far to one side before it has to come back, uh, before re- people start to realize that uh, we're pricing ourselves out of the market and making it difficult for our subsequent generations to stay locally, and uh, you know we're starting to see that that creep, um, and uh, it's one that uh, you know our industry tries to compete against, uh, but it's uh, it's. It's a fractured. Or the home building industry is, you know, somewhat fractured because everybody has their their interests. We had do have buildings associations to try to put a, a consistent voice out for us, uh, but uh, sometimes it feels like we're swimming upstream uh, a little bit on it. And you mentioned a little bit about the utilities. Uh, you know, public water and public sewer availability is uh, one of the main limiting factors for larger residential neighborhoods, and uh, capacities in existing facilities is limited. And we really haven't seen too much major capital expenditures to create new capacity. Now, don't get me wrong. We've seen a lot of major capital expenditures on maintenance and replacement of older lines or updates to plants to comply with new regulations. But to create new capacity, we really haven't seen that since the 70s. Uh, so that's another factor for uh, larger you know, neighborhoods, uh, community neighborhoods with reasonably sized lots. Uh, but, uh, you know, so the trend we're seeing in land development, smaller boutique size, you know, neighborhoods, maybe 20, 30 lots as opposed to the larger developments because you have less capital tied up versus a large project. And like arts, a movement back to frontage subdivisions where you create lots along existing road. You don't have to build the new infrastructure. Uh, but what that generates is larger lots with on-lot, you know, septics and wells. And it's not a real good, efficient use of the land in the long term. Anything we did not ask you that you'd like to point out, John? We're just about out of time, but I want to give you an open mic if you want to add something important. Maybe uh, none of our questions elicited a comment about. 
No, I, I'll tell you, Mark, it, uh, for my first venture into the radio forum here, uh, <laughs> the panel here was, uh, provided excellent uh, guidance to get uh, to the key points, so I, I, I think we pretty much summarize it. John, we're nice to you the first time because we like you to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time it's your fault. So, All right, well, thank you so much for checking in, John. Very, very much appreciate you. Good luck down there, and do keep in touch, and send Art a note when, when anything in this field changes, and it's uh, worthy of a comment. We do this Financial Friday. Uh, once a month, but we can talk about important issues and topics and updates and developments anytime. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, and enjoy your day, man. All right, much appreciated. John Kirshner uh, is a planner by career and license. He's vice president of Fine Line Homes, based out of Harrisburg, but they serve a big market, and uh, they're all over the place, finelinehomes.com. You can find out lots and lots more about them. All right, well, you are listening to Financial Friday. Bob Garrett, the president and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, still here. Our Thomas, chairman of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce and president of MECTEC and Diversified Construction. They're going to sit tight. We're going to wrap up our analysis, talk about what's cooking in the chamber when we come back from the CBS News. Somebody mentioned the R-word recession, so we'll get our experts here to tell us what they think about that. We'll mention that uh, we were bouncing along the bottom for participation, but unfortunately it looks like we're uh, doing, we're digging into the bottom silt a little bit. Lost a tenth there. Yeah, so we're... We'll make it up. We're hitting the silt at the bottom of the lake there, so we'll talk about that shortly. This is On the Mark on News Radio. 1070 WKOK Sunbury, 9 a.m. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And we have the lines open now. We'd love to hear from you on the topics we've discussed, the jobless rate, the what is fundamental in our economy and what is struggling. Of course, the inflation is killing everybody mm. and gas prices. So we talked a little bit about that. We talked to John Kirshner down at Fine Line Homes uh, based out of Harrisburg, but uh, they're serving the whole region. Really talking about impediments to development, just this huge cost and this uh, just a sticky spider web labyrinth of regulation and zoning and difficult and utilities, and even factored in now social media and uh, packed rooms of people with their thumbs down uh, is always a big factor in some of the things we're talking about. Despite that, there are some big developments happening in Pennsylvania. We've identified two in our conversation in the southern portion of Pennsylvania that involve hundreds of homes each. So there is some of that going on. Housing markets super-duper tight these days. So this is uh, just a, a difficult thing. I'll start with Art. This idea, one of 
of the things that John mentioned, this idea of developing a street is prohibitively expensive. So if a developer says, well, I want to put in 100 homes and, uh, and I have the buyers for them, they're ready to go, but I have to put in a street, what goes into that? Give me a sense. I think, uh, don't you just dig down, put down hard gravel, pack it, and pave it, and, and that's it, right? <laughs> that's all we do at your place, buddy. <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, my driveway. <laughs> uh, John had alluded to the evolution of ordinances over the last 30 to 40 years, and that's exactly what the developers are running into with streets. As the ordinances have developed, so has their design criteria for streets that are required to be built, particularly if those streets are ultimately going to be turned over to the municipality for ongoing maintenance and perpetuity. So that's a decision a developer has to make up front. Is this going to be a condominium type setup where the, the development's going to maintain everything, or is it going to be turned over to the township? And either way, most ordinances don't differentiate between the street requirements. Whether you're going to turn it over to the, to the municipality or not, uh, you're still required to build it to the township street standards. And quite often, uh, while ordinances have evolved, uh, the green part of things hasn't really caught up with them. So you're still looking at 26-foot wide streets that require the subgrade you talked about, but then 8 inches of sub-base stone material over a 26-foot wide width, which is lanes plus shoulders. Then you've got a base course of asphalt paving and a wearing course of asphalt paving. All constantly inspected while you're working on That's this. That's right, which all has to be paid for. The developer has to reimburse for the inspection. And then most of the de- most of the uh, ordinances that have evolved, if you're building a community-type development, require that those streets be curbed and what a cost that is. And then, of course, with active transportation and the, and the need to satisfy pedestrians and bicyclists, you've got to put in sidewalks. And when these developers started back in the 60s and 70s, Nobody put in sidewalks. Nobody put in curves. You should have seen how thin their paving sections were in their streets. It got them by. It got them in. It got them to sell their lots. And then after 10, 15 years, the municipality was stuck having to maintain those streets that were turned over to them that were poorly constructed. So it becomes quite an investment. It can be easily over a million dollars. We recently in our office looked at a farm that was to be subdivided, and we had set out a little snake of a street that went off of the state road, snaked through, and came back out on the state road and um, we had 11 or 12 lots laid out but with the cost of that street the uh, property owner decided nope we're not going to build that street we're not going to do those smaller one acre lots we're going to go with three and four acre lots just do six of them and put them right out along that state road and everybody's going to have their own driveway and that's not an ideal way to build out a community, Bob. Well, there's a, a term for that, and it's called sprawl. Uh, and uh, I, I guess what we're getting to here is that if this was easy to do, we would just do it. Um, it's sort of like building a throughway or connecting uh, broadband for all. If it was easy to do, we would just do it. It takes a lot of thought and planning, et cetera, to get into these sort of things. It's very clear that we need more people in the greater Susquehanna Valley we want to continue to be the prosperous place that we've been all along. At the same time, we don't want to forfeit uh, the beautiful environment that we have here. We certainly don't want to do anything that would destroy uh, uh, the, the, the river where we get our very name from, the Greater Susquehanna Valley. Uh, we would want to never want to do any of that. So it's a real balancing act. And yet we're looking at development, but we, we like to bring in these ideas of smart development, smart transportation, try to do things in a way that makes sense, not just for right now, but for the long term as well. 
as we balance that uh, using Art's example, chances are for that person who wanted to develop a portion of their farm, that was their retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you put too many regulations, you literally are taking away people's retirement. They're, you're taking away their their prosperity through regulation. So we always try to strike a balance, uh, and we usually uh, makes a couple of people happy and a lot of people unhappy, but uh, we uh, try to do our best as we look through these and, and try to think them through. Well, I think what Art's talking about the pendulum, the pendulum's now swung back where before, you, you know, you should probably you know, paved your road instead of like putting some scratch on top of it and selling your lots, and we see that. Water and sewer infrastructure, a key. Water infrastructure, Northern Virginia right now, they're taking out 20, 25-year-old 8-inch water lines and putting them in with 12-inch because they see the growth and the needs going to be there. But also look at legislation. Look at what's going on environmentally. Pro and con. Uh, look at farm preservation where now you can donate your farm back to the organization that will keep that preserved then and you get tax credits or get a, get a tax incentives off of that. So developing, and I, I talked earlier, look at what's happened in places like California where they basically hamstrung to the point where affordable housing, it's hard to aff- afford a house. It's hard to afford a single house, plus federal legislation that's going to get try to get rid of single-family housing, particularly in the suburbs, to go to multi family housing. So it, it it's interesting what the what people used to develop and what Bob just talked about. People who own land that said, yeah, I can sell that off at some point. I can I can retire at some point. Well, to develop that land, you're giving up forty percent of your so called bought retirement money. Uh, very expensive. The regulations need to come back into um, I hate to use the word common sense because whose common sense does that mean? But the, there there are some hurdles to develop. And when people talk about they can't afford housing, well, go back and look down the line on why. Yeah, but we don't want to live in a city. We don't want to repopulate. We don't want to take Sunbury back up to 13,000, 14,000 people. That's not, people aren't interested in that. They don't want to be right next to, to somebody. Tell me about this mindset that, you know, we want to start out with some privacy and some free space, and then if we're irritated, we're going to go on social media. We're going to add that on to the end. But this idea of repopulating the cities. That's all part of the development costs that we've been talking about. You know, again, back to the 60s and 70s, people would go in and throw some stone down and put tar and chip over it, maybe a thin layer of pave, and sell the lots and move on. Uh, as part of the evolution of the ordinances, we need to have green space. We don't want it to be so urban where there's a tree grows in Brooklyn, Bugs Bunny, you know. We have to have trees and landscaping. And the developers that aren't seasoned experts coming into this have no idea mm-hmm. that they're going to get hit in the face with landscaping requirements yeah. and screening requirements. He, uh, John talked about view shed. And if your lot is adjacent to anything else, you've got to screen what you're doing, If especially if it's a different use. If you're residential against residential, commercial against commercial, you don't have to screen. But if you're residential against something other... You're going to have to screen that whole property, and that's all expensive, too. So it's all part of the you development trees process. trees so you don't see what's happening on the other side. That's yeah. correct. But reuse, though, is a potential. Brownfields, reuse. But remember, during the 50s and 60s, the growth in the United States, mobile home parks, 
People say mobile home park. No, no. Young professionals, young families lived in mobile homes. You'd lived there two or three years. You Then you moved into another house. But, again, when you talk about affordable housing, so what's out there that can be done? What's the reuse factor? We, we think commercially or industrially about brownfields, but also residentially, what, what can you use? And, you know, there's a number of people, generations, who grew up in double homes that were on the same block. I mean, you go through Sunbury, go through Seals Grove, just locally Northumberland, see those homes that people grew up in. Really what we're talking about here is the American dream. You, you know, the uh, Ben, you just painted a picture of a starter home and you build your way up, et cetera. And we don't want to take away from anyone uh, the American dream. In fact, we want to facilitate uh, the American dream for as many people as possible. I think, um, uh, Mark, you said we, we don't want to repopulate the cities, I th- if I heard that correctly. is Well, actually, what we'd like to do is do that in a smart way. If, if you drive down Market Street in Sunbury, look up. Okay, you see storefronts on the first floor, but then there's two, three, sometimes four uh, stories above that uh, that are by and large vacant building, vacant uh, space. And uh, I happen to live in an area where we all we are single family attached uh, houses. Uh, in my case, it's uh, 160 years old. Our single family attached development called Midtown Harrisburg, but but we see a, a, a huge influx of young people. People, young professionals, uh, it's not a, an unheard of in where in the neighborhood where I live, where a house will go on sale on Friday and be sold on Sunday. It it goes that quickly. Uh, so for some people, that's where that's where they want their American dream to go. What we need to do is give lots and lots of options so that uh, the Greater Susquehanna Valley is seen as a destination not only for travelers but for people starting their careers right here in our backyard. All right. I'll tell you something. I just thought of that we forgot about here all morning even with John on and that's broadband you know we've been talking about developing our farms here in Snyder and Union counties and our rural area to try and provide housing for the incoming workforce that we're anticipating over the next few years and I can tell you shout out to Amy B uh, the first thing our young professionals are looking for today is Wi-Fi availability I mean it's 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 not even you can't even talk about availability of a, of a, of a domicile without having that Wi-Fi capability that high-speed internet and that's all part of that infrastructure Bob you've been talking about or coalitions wherever it's going to come from if somebody puts in a nice 30 lot I forget what John you for the term suites, I think he called them a, a suite development versus a multi-hundred lot development. If you spend all that money and you put in 30 lots and you don't have access to high-speed internet, you're not going to sell any lots today. Well, and we saw uh, ads for apartments in Lewisburg, $1,500 a month, which seems like a lot, but it include free Wi-Fi, you know, and they even listed the speed that it was, you know, so many gigabytes a second. And then, of course, water, sewer, garbage, cable, electricity, air conditioning, all that free, you know, but for for a higher price. But the, the very first utility mentioned was the Wi-Fi. Well, fabulous, fabulous conversation. We're going to keep this going, Art. We're going to try to talk to somebody from DEP. 
so we might have a recorded presentation mm-hmm. we'll add into a Financial Friday discussion interesting. in the in the weeks ahead. We'll get their uh, take on this, so uh, we'll keep you posted about that. What's cooking at your chamber, Bob? Big thing I want to promote is that on July 28th, later this month, we'll be having our Innovation Summit. I'll take a, a baton from uh, Art. Uh, he mentioned uh, technology, broadband, those kind of things. <clears throat> We're going to get uh, deeper into technology, uh, into this whole idea of compatibility. We've been talking about access and affordability when it comes to broadband and high-speed internet. Uh, this this summit, we're really going to get into compatibility and and uh, as we become more sophisticated um, into technology, uh, how can we move our valley that direction? That's uh, on the 28th. We'll be out at the um, uh, Sun Tech for that. A seminar. In your old stomping grounds. Amen. When were you there? 1981? 79 to 83. Okay. Yeah. All right. What time uh, What time does that start? It, it starts, it begins in the morning and goes till mid-afternoon. It's a day-long event uh, with several breakouts, a couple of keynoters. We'll have some of the folks that have been here on the mark with us um, uh, from the Broadband Association, from the Telephone Association, as well as our local ISPs and others. All right. Well, to be continued. Bob, thanks so much for all you're doing. Congratulations. You uh, played a part in making sure the CSVT uh, got built. One percent? I don't know. You're shaking your head no. <laughs> yeah, right. The uh, uh, Actually, uh, the day we were all able to walk out there, I was I was out with my old buddy, uh, Margaret Warrick, mm, um, yes. and we recalled that in 1983, we provided testimony uh, to the Transportation Commission. So um, I, we've been at it for 39 years. We're not going away anytime. Soon. Well, I was at a restaurant called Chadwick's in uh, 19... I worked there, buddy. Oh, I did worked you? Good there. I was the head busboy. Oh, no, no kidding. Later, I found out I was the only busboy. This would be 1990. Dave Murray pulled me aside and said, Mark, pay attention to this uh, throughway conversation. This is going to keep on going. We're not going to let up. We're going to have it. I think he said by the turn of the century, but <laughs> that didn't yeah, work out. the picture, too. Yeah, we, uh, the four, uh, the four uh, uh, transportation chairs who could be there... Uh, we're uh, at the groundbreaking, uh, had our pictures taken, Ben and uh, Todd Roop. Uh, folks around here would know him as Todd Brennan mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, uh, and Joe McGranahan and myself. Uh, and we remembered while we did that, Dave Murray, uh, he is the giant on whose shoulders uh, we stand. Uh, Dave really is the one who established the platform uh, that the rest of us uh, now work from. And, uh, and we think of him often and think of him very fondly. All right. Thank, thank you all so much for all you're doing uh, and for coming in. And we appreciate Art. Stay in touch. This is an ongoing conversation, not not a one-time blip. Ben, you have to stay. I'm sorry. Your, your days, <laughs> more, more torture ahead for you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming in. Much appreciated. Mark, let me leave you real quick. Sure. With a little personal anecdote. Um, in 08, I was purchasing a new vehicle. And prior to 08, I had myself a large SUV, which I just absolutely loved. But I refused the fact that it was a big Bronco or Suburban. Oh, it was a big uh, Explorer. Oh, good for you. Okay, and, uh, expedition. Yeah, I had to get rid of my Explorer because it was 08 and gas was up over four dollars, and it just angered me to no end that I was going to be paying uh, over fifty dollars to fill my tank. So I got myself a small SUV, and I'm still driving that small SUV today. And uh, 
three days ago, I filled it up for in excess of seventy dollars. That's something. Now you know why he's president of Mech Tech and Diversified Construction because he saved his pennies <laughs> and bought the company. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, yeah, Art Thomas, welcome. Chairman of the Chamber of Commerce, and Bob Garrett, President of the uh, Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce as well. Thank you both so much. We'll be back with headlines, and we're going to open up the phone shortly. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line open now, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. i got to tell you about one particular vehicle uh, operated or available at the Sunbury Motor Company. It's the Ford Mustang. This is the gasoline one, not the Mach-E. It's got a V8 if you want it, and uh, gasoline mileage, you're going to be in the upper teens in the city, but uh, you know, on the highway, you'll get 30 if you just go a little bit easier on the gas than Joe always does. Convertible? Uh, yes, you can get a convertible, or you can get a hard top, you name it, 2.3 liter, four-cylinder, not quite as much fun, but I'll tell you what, you're going to, you're definitely going to hit that 30 miles to the gallon on the highway estimate, and you'll be into the low 20s in the city. Uh, got great reliability remarks from uh, Consumer Reports. Uh, price tag on a gasoline-powered Mustang. If you get one fully tricked out, the one that we're going to order for Ben is the GT with the V8 mm-hmm. and the big tires, and uh, that's you're going to be up into the 70s. But guess what? Entry into a gasoline Mustang uh, with the 2.3 liter is Twenty-seven thousand dollars for mm. a Ford Mustang. Everybody's going to be looking. It's a head turner, and uh, they're going to be talking about you too, turning heads and talking <laughs> about you, and maybe wondering why you didn't buy the Mustang Mach-E. But you'll be happy. You can order one up at the Sunbury Motor Company. You can still get the Shelby version, believe it or don't. That's what comes with that V8. It's got a five hundred liter engine in it, and it is a just a crazy screamer. Uh, a five liter engine. Great movie, Shelby versus Ferrari. No, I haven't I'm, seen that. I'm yet. sorry, Ford versus Ferrari. With yeah, uh, Carl Shelby. Right. It's got, of course, and it's just a highly protected vehicle. There is no all-wheel drive <laughs> available, mm. it says on the brochure here. But that's the Ford Mustang, so check it out. Sunbury Motors Company, sunburymotors.com. Very brief news headlines here. Traffic is flowing on the CSVT. PennDOT continues implementing the new traffic patterns. They open up all the lanes uh, today in the northern section, north and south right now, most of the north and, and just a few of the south. But the bridge is 
both directions right at the moment. And there's a budget in Harrisburg. Check this out. House Appropriations Committee Chair Stan Saylor says the budget puts the needs of people before the needs of government and prioritizes education. This budget makes historic investments in public schools, a historic investment in school choice, and makes new investments in school safety and mental health. The Appropriations Committee's Democratic Chair Matt Bradford says the budget is a product of compromise. And once in a while, sometimes a week late, but once in a while, we're able to strike the right balance. This budget, in my opinion, is that balance. The House passed the budget on a 182-20 vote. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. State House member David Rowe voted against mm-hmm. that budget. He's one of the 20. He called it full of irresponsible spending. It's 11% larger than this year's budget. And he says taxpayers' dollars are being used very unwisely, particularly how the federal dollars are wasted in that budget. Yes, and the devil is in the details. Right, he David says Rowe is the correct. He says the devil was very busy during the drafting phase. Yes. Well, and uh, there's no guarantee it's going to get through the Senate. AP reporting this morning uh, that there's a couple sticking points that uh, should be pretty uh, uh, sticky. <laughs> you know, should cause a dilemma. So we'll uh, keep Mark, an eye on that. There sticky points in the Senate back on uh, I'm looking at the calendar here. June Two weeks ago. 27th. Right. There were sticking Still points there. in the Senate. Same one, including that pit funding for and it's uh, not, fetal uh, research. It's not a sticky note either. It's a more than more than one point. And finally, President Biden awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom to 16 Americans on mm. Thursday, Simone Biles, of course, the noted gymnast survivor of um, sexual abuse at the hands of Larry Nasser, and of course, just a ridiculously successful competitor all around. Uh, Sister Simone Campbell, a member of the Sisters of Social Service. Huleta Garcia, former president of the University of Texas. Gabrielle Giffords, of course, the congresswoman, uh, nearly died in an assassination attempt. Fred Gray, the civil rights attorney who represented Rosa Parks. Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, of course, he died. Father uh, Alexander Carluzzo's, a former vicar general of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America, Kazir Khan, gold star father who criticized President Trump. Now talk about a political... Well, I guess if you give one to... Uh, it was a Rush Limbaugh, I guess this is the same thing, only different. Mm. The gold star father who criticized President Trump in a speech in 2016. Uh, Sandra Lindsay, the New York nurse who served on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic, or one of them. John McCain, of course you know who he is. Diane Nash organized a key civil rights campaign during segregation. Megan Rapino, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Alan Simpson, U.S. Senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Miami. Trumpka. You know what he did. Mm-hmm. Started the AFL-CIO. Uh, yeah, labor union. Brigadier General Wilma Fought uh, broke barriers for women in the U.S. military. And Raul Yazgare, a civil mm. rights advocate, U.S. ambassador to the Dominican Republic. I would say uh, some well-deserved... And some got them. <laughs> some, Yeah, some just political thank yous. Well, Richard Trumpka, you know, it's hard to say the man has changed the face of labor in, in the whole country. Love him or hate him, I'll tell you mm-hmm. what. Well, no, that's the deserve big, that way. Yeah. But the other, you know, the other scenario we can look at, too, and uh, we will see. But uh, you mentioned uh, Rush Limbaugh changed the face of AM radio. Uh, you know, like it or not, but he changed AM radio. You see that. So, uh, but yeah, I would say uh, uh, some well deserved, and others got them. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six. Oh, we had a caller waiting. He uh, he got busy. All right, call mm-hmm. us back immediately. We'll hit the last break, and we're going to go to open phones when we come back.
All right, welcome back. Please call us back. Uh, we had Stan waiting. He's probably irritated, but uh, <laughs> well, we have to do headlines and commercials. So, but uh, yeah, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Call us immediately. Comment about uh, earlier today. We had the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce representatives here talking about impediments to development. Mm-hmm. We are going to have a conversation with DEP. At which time they're going to tell us that uh, every time we impose a law, it's because we want to tra- protect something or somebody or some frog or some yeah, water. Well, or some storm That's or true. something. One, uh, one interesting piece on the financials we didn't get into is that mortgage rates, I believe, were down uh, four-tenths of a percent, which is interesting that they're coming down. But then the kicker afterwards was in signs of recession fears, mortgages <laughs> were lower. So, so the numbers are all over the place. I don't say it's a, a crap table, but it might be. Put your chips where they may and let the dice roll. We will see. You know, we're finding out Russian oil. Russia's making uh, a lot of money selling its oil still. The rule is up at the highest rate it's been in a long time. So how does your currency go up if you're supposedly having and all these sanctions? And the U.S. dollar continues to go up. How does that factor? Well, the U.S. dollar's floating around in between. So, again, you know, th- this Putin price hike or this stuff going on seems to be, Mark, I, I hate to say this, but you look at this Ukrainian situation, and it's almost like which puppet masters are playing which puppet which which chess masters are put are putting the pawns where they may to to let their queens and kings go i mean th- th- there's something that just seems to be strange when you're putting sanctions against a country that invaded another country you're supporting the country to defend itself Europe needs to step up and say yes we will do what we say uh talk is cheap but then how is the Russian economy surviving? And that's China and India, which we talked about months ago. China and India propping them up. Who else? Uh, you know, we, we see the situations going on. So, uh, again, Russia selling oil, making money. Uh, we have situations sure. that are and going who's on. Who's your biggest buyer? China? Uh, well, China else? and India. India, okay. Yeah, so. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Yesterday we talked about over-medicating our young people, at which time mm-hmm. one of the smartest women in the world told us. What did, uh, hold on a second here, let me move this over. There we go. What did people do with us when we were young and restless and non-behaving? I know they gave us a spanking, sent us to our room, or didn't let us go outside for a day or so. What do they do today when spankings are outlawed? Drug them. Drug them up. They say they're hyperactive. Well, this is crazy. I know a spanking straightened me out, and if my mother didn't think it was enough for her to do it, she would tell my dad when he came home, and he'd, I'd get it again. <laughs> they were not abusive. There was respect and obedience demanded. Today, parents have to be afraid to ever be seen correcting their kids by a tap on the butt in public. Really? Some say kids are ruined by the barrage of vaccines these babies get when they're born. I remember taking my kids to the doctor when they were babies and having maybe one at a time. But now I hear they get as many as eight different vaccines at one time. Hmm. Wonder, where are the hyperactive kids come from? Imagine dealing with them 
in the classroom, exclamation point. Well, I would say there's some credence to this, and I would go back to President Eisenhower when he addressed the nation and said, uh, paraphrasing, fear the military-industrial complex. I would Mm -hmm. say uh, in this day and age, fear the big pharma business complex because uh, you look at that and and talking about... uh, uh, demasculating young boys, okay, but children What's, are what, children. How does that happen? Well, by demasculating, I mean they they can't be boys. They, you know, again, we're talking about are are they hyperactive? Do you have to drug them? You know, put put them on on some sort of prescription drugs. So when you when you make their energy less. What does that do to their growth? What does that do to their understanding? So you got young boys and young girls growing up. Are they on the playground? Now they have to behave certain ways. Are they drug-induced? I mean, you know, by by big pharma. And the other part, I've been told, is, you know, do parents find it easier to give their young people, you know, th- these drugs than to parent. And, uh, you know, that's a uh, that's a catch-22 situation. But I've heard stories by doctors, by parents, uh, by uh, some young adults who were on Ritalin and on some things, and they got off it. Uh, the, the, you know, it's, but Big Pharma makes big money. Yeah, like the uh, there's an old cartoon I saw a couple of years ago. It showed on the front of the school there's always signs that say drug-free zone <laughs> and enhanced sentences for drug dealing on school grounds. In the front of the school you see all these signs, but you're looking at it from the side, and in the back you see a dump truck from Big Pharma dumping Ritalin and a bunch of other stuff into the school in the back door. All right, well, give us a call, 1-800-795-9565. This is a conversation held over from yesterday, the idea of over medicating kids. One of our good listeners says, you want to see unmedicated kids? What happens to they when they grow up? Look at the doers in our community. That's what happens to unmedicated kids when they grow up. They become the ambitious type A doers. Wouldn't be surprised if some of your panelists were probably hyperactive when they were kids, but now look at them. Probably referring to Art, I guess. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so. And Garrett, Bob. Well, he's... he's <laughs> Not he, you and I. Right? No, I don't think so. Uh, let's Let's see. One of our good listeners sends us a note, says, is there still even a war in Ukraine? A few weeks back, we were on the brink of World War III, but now we hardly hear anything about it. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that our government has sent multi-billions of dollars to that corrupt country, would it? Many of our politicians are in bed with the Ukraine, including our clueless commander-in-chief, but the media who is just an extension of the Democratic Party, does not question anything about all the money going to Ukraine. (laughs) Just like they aren't saying a thing about the voicemail President Biden left for Hunter, telling him he's in the clear, absolutely unequivocally proving that he knew about Hunter's foreign business dealings after he said he had never talked to Hunter about any of his business dealings. Yet all we hear about this farce is the January 6th and a woman's right to kill the life inside of her. Yeah, that's one one thing people might not realize, uh, the corruption in Ukraine, and that's how Zelensky got elected because the uh, former president was so corrupt. So... Is the corruption still there? I, I, hopefully, he's <laughs> no, it's all cleared up. Hopefully, he cut it in half. It's maybe. on the run. <laughs> uh, Dan, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. 
Hey, hey, good morning, fellas. Well, before I start Can on regulations... Dan? No. Dan wanted hey. to talk about regulations? Yep. Yeah, there, Dan. Going once. There we go. Okay, go ahead, buddy. I guess you all know what squirming around means. I, I don't know if that's Dutch, but I was squirming around getting out of line. Dad took me out. That's the last time I ever squirmed around in church, <laughs> out behind the woodshed at the church. And anyway, yeah, that's a, one of the main problems today. No discipline. It's, you had talked to school teachers. They, they teach the students are running the school. Basically, the teachers are just can't. Their hands are tied. They can't regulate anything. It's too bad. But as I said, it, <laughs> the inmates are running the asylum, and that is true. Well, Dan, that's that society, though. If you saw the. Uh what New York, Chicago, I believe it was in Chicago, uh, in the one circle, I can't remember the exact name of the circle, where they had a, or maybe it was New York, but either either one, the uh, folks were there doing donuts in their cars, four or five different cars. The police showed up, and the, uh, the, the mob there attacked the police. The police had to leave. Yeah. So th- there's no fear. Now, Corporal punishment in the school, you know, again, the pendulum. Art Thomas talked about the pendulum of developing. Corporal punishment was housed in the corner office well, up by the principal. Yes, exactly. I mean, the assistant principal was the corporal. Anyway, uh, you see the pendulum's changing back, you know, swinging back and forth, and it's just swung the other way. Uh, so, again, uh, parenting. Punishment does not mean, discipline does not mean physical punishment all the time. However, you can use physical punishment to a degree that, that people understand if there's also parenting involved in it. Yep, and like I said, it only took three times for me, and I was in line. You learned that. and Well, three it, times it, was a charm then. Amen. And I was going to talk a little about other regulations, like President Trump had the right idea for every regulation that was passed. He eliminated two regulations, and that was working well for President Trump, and I appreciate that, what he did. That. And that's what we need to think about. Yeah, it's okay if you need a new regulations, put it through, but get rid of two of the old unnecessary regulations. I don't know what you think about that, Ben. I think it was. Well, a, if we have outdated regulations, yeah, still outdated, right ahead. Uh, and uh, the again lower the hurdle for economic development in a positive way. Protect uh, the environment. Protect the, yeah, protect the environment. I mean, conservation is great. I think we should all be conservationists. Uh, if you want to be an environmentalist, good well, luck. Well, look at Bob. Doesn't he still write a, a conservation to, column in the Daily Item? Yeah, we should all be conservationists. And uh, uh, again, though, re- regulations for the sake of regulations and bureaucrats being able to control these regulations 
uh, unelected bureaucrats being able to enforce these regulations with that control is that's uh, a bad omen. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for calling in. Yep. And you guys have a hey, have a great weekend with all these activities tomorrow. <laughs> on yeah. Yep. We got pine nodders tonight. Thank you, Dan. We got pine nodders tonight and Sunbury celebration tomorrow. So, plus a bunch of other stuff. Valley Fest is up at Christ Wesleyan Church, and these are the ones that I can think of. Uh, Brew Fest is next weekend. Al, you're going to be the last caller before a quickie break. Go right ahead. Okay, well, uh, I was writing notes the other day, and you, you were on topics, and I haven't had a chance to call. But this is kind of why the kids are the way they are these days. And i got plenty of grandchildren, and I've you know, got ten grandchildren, so I see a lot of stuff. Anyways, uh, uh, let's see. The, the first one is... Well, I'll tell you what, review they're your notes. They're desensitized <laughs> with all these video games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? To a degree, yeah. That, that, and what you see is really bad uh, on these video games. And they, they depict these situations that are happening. Um, anyways, and then the bad parenting. And you guys were talking about that a lot. Just a lack of parenting and the corporal punishment. And, and, and then also there's a lack of morals. And morals were dropped out of the school. Uh, it almost, you know, the lack of morals is even all these things are interconnected. And and then uh, when they give them these drugs, uh, it suppresses their feelings. So you know, you don't have the feelings that normally you would have when you see a video of a something horrendous happening. You, you don't play into it. You oh, I don't want to watch that, but. You know, you get a little desensitized to this stuff, and it, it's all correlated. And now they want to do it over the compu- over the internet and the computers, and everybody, like you said on the home show, wants to be hooked to that. I mean, the downside of that is you, they know everything you're doing, and they feed you everything through those lines that's going on that keep, you know is just deteriorating our country something terrible. Yeah, Al, can I offer this? Is there a lack of accountability at almost every level? Meaning every level. And right now, even in the IRS, because they just arrested two guys a day, our government is tyrannical. And and here's the other note. I'll go right into that. Over the years, we all these presidents and every, we're selling more guns than ever. Well, maybe it's time we start using them against a tyrannical government. I mean, it's just outrageous. What are we going to do? And and then another thing about Donald J. Trump, I don't think it's Trump they're after. I think Trump started it. And make no mistake, this is what Trump said, make no mistake, they're not after me. They're after you. Your guns, your Christianity, your value, your freedom. I'm just in their way. Donald J. Trump. Okay. Excellent. Now, that's my notes for the day. I don't really, you know, care if you ask me any questions or whatever, but that's just my thought. I haven't called for a while. All right. Well, thanks for checking in, buddy. Good to hear from you. We'll talk to you later. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye. 1-800-795-9565. Have time for some more speedy dialers. And uh, we've got some old emails. We'll read those. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. 
They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 1070 WKOK. <laughs> nice job. Rob Center, our fabulous producer on the other side of the glass with that irritating music that Kevin put in there. Thank you. Can't you pop that down or <laughs> change it or something? <laughs> he don't touches it. He doesn't do a thing. Mm. All right, nothing we can do. All right, Eric, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Ben, I haven't called in on a Friday in a while. I wanted to say I'm sorry to hear about your dad passing. Appreciate the uh, thoughts. But, Ben, <laughs> the question is, are, are certain guest Friday hosts hyperactive? Ben, I remember back in high school, uh, Up here you were... We go. <laughs> I guess I was. They let me go out there. <laughs> and, and you were voted class clown of 79, as I recall. I think that was for comedic reasons, though. No, no, no it wasn't due to your hyperactivity. Okay, okay. <laughs> I t- is that true? Your, your point is one. I think it was. But, uh, wow. As far as meds for kids. But uh, myself, we, we, myself we, and Kim Strakula, though, she was certainly the, the better <laughs> yeah, half. Yeah, well, that, that's true. That's true. She was, uh, yeah, you guys were a team for sure. But anyway, um, meds for kids, um, we, we can bring in all kinds of things. And I was accused of a lot of things yesterday after I made my second call and couldn't defend myself. <laughs> um, first of all, to correct everyone, no psychologist psychologists can prescribe medications that has to be a doctor or a psychiatrist um but we look at all the different factors involved in these shootings and as i said yesterday two-thirds or more of these shootings uh on children in schools has been by those under age 21 so you can have all kinds of all kinds of factors family factors hey they were in trouble with the law they weren't in trouble with the law they, there was uh there was knives before there was all kinds of warning signs but let's look at what we have what is the common factor here? And that's the assault-style weapons. So what people here in the Valley and across the United States have to, to ask themselves the question, are you willing Are you willing to deny access to these assault-style weapons to those under 21 in order to protect our children? And that's the question you ask. Is it worth it to have some, some kids, and these are non-hunting weapons, I'm fully, fully behind it for hunting and that type of thing, Sure, 18-year-old should be able to buy one. Yeah, but, Eric, if you go back and you look okay. at the numbers, though, the the average age of the mass shooters, the, we're talking about Las Vegas, going and back, I, I believe, 10 years, is, about kids. is 33. Kids. is 33 years old. So, Again, if we look at just the, on kids, on, on the school shootings, 66% are done by those age, under age 21. So, And your point is what, to say they cannot own weapons till they're 21? 
I am saying that assault weapons should be should be banned completely, but I'm willing to compromise and saying let's just prevent them from buying under 21, just like they do for handguns. Military, the people are in the military and they get out and they're 20, should they be able to own a gun? That would, that would be an exception in my book. Sure, okay. They've been trained and they've been under orders. Well, yeah. I, I, I think there's some credence to that. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks for checking in. Thank you, everybody who participated today. Thank you, Ben, for coming yes. in. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury.